This episode is brought to you by the Copywriter Club in real life, our live event in San Diego, March 12th through the 14th. You can get your tickets now at thecopywriterclub.com forward slash T-C-C-I-R-L. What if you could hang out with seriously talented copywriters and other experts, ask them about their successes and failures, their work processes, and their habits, then steal an idea or two to inspire your own work? That's what Kira and I do every week at the Copywriter Club podcast. You're invited to join the club for episode 167 as we chat with copywriter and content creator Andrea Littell about becoming a copywriter, the importance of storytelling and how she weaves it into the work she does, how to run a profitable business when everything goes wrong, and what she's done to grow her business this year. Welcome, Andrea. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. All right. So let's kick this off with your story because you are a storyteller. So (laughs) no pressure, but your story. How did you end up as a storyteller and as a copywriter and content creator? I always joke that I graduated with a marketing degree and actually have used it because I feel like that's never the case anymore. Um, But to be honest, I feel like it wasn't until I got into the world of work that I actually you know, really, uh, got my bearings. That's where I really learned, um, all the things. And I started in, uh, various roles in marketing communications and, um, worked on national product launches and worked on helping startups and small business. I never went the corporate route because I always loved having a lot of hands-on experiences. And I wanted to touch a lot of different things and try a lot of different things in the, the realm of marketing. And from that, I always found that no matter what position I was in, it always involved writing, communication, copywriting. I was always the go-to by default. And I just, uh, my last role, my last salary position was um, a director of um, marketing communications for a mid-sized business here. And after I had my son, I got to the point where, because that business had multiple uh, divisions within it, so I was kind of overseeing multiple brands, it just got where I felt very stretched, I felt emotionally taxed, and I just wanted to kind of hone down and lean into something that Um, had a little more ease for me. So I did what every responsible new parent does that has the benefits in the family. And I just quit my job and had no real plan. And, you know, I come from a family of parents who always went a corporate track. They, you know, they were company men and women that stayed the course, even when they were (laughs) miserable, just to like financially provide. And, um, and I, kind of scared the crap out of them when I quit my job. Um, And then I like to say that I was a stay-at-home mom for about two weeks before I thought, okay, I got to find something else to do. I've got to figure this this writing thing out. I've got to figure out what's my next step. So um, after that, I, I mean, really it was a few, it was not long after that I had this idea for a, a blog, which I feel like sounds so cliche, but this is this is my story. I have this idea for a blog. I live in a small city, and there's a lot of great arts, cultural happenings here. And there's a lot of um, it's an old industrial city that has been revitalized, and there's just a lot of great stuff happening. However, no one was really telling the stories of all these creators and innovators and makers. 
um, no one was really shining a light on this um, self-starting community um, within our city. So I bought a URL. Um, it's called Townies. And I just started interviewing folks. And these are people that I, I really didn't know. I may have known like seven degrees of separation, somehow got an introduction, but I started interviewing artists and farmers and chefs and all these folks. And the blog just started gaining a following. I think a lot for twofold. One, there's just such a need. I mean, there's a lot happening and no one was really telling those stories and uh, shining a light on the city. And then secondly, it's just, it's a way to really get to know those in your community and your neighbor. And I think when you do it through a, a storytelling lens, you're able to build a connection that you're just not able to do in any other way. So that blog got a following, won some awards. Um, and then I started having requests from creative agencies in town about freelance work. I started leaning into that. And then through the creative agencies, I was finding that I was starting to be asked to pitch and present and um, lead client relationships, which was great training ground. It was, I feel like, a great way to learn and be a part of the agency culture without being full in working in an agency, um, especially at the point in my life when as a, a new mom. However, I got to the point where I was realizing I was pitching a lot of work, selling business, uh, retaining business. And then I was also, you know, probably I was definitely not charging enough. And so I slowly have started why well, over the past year and a half, leaning more into doing things on my own terms um, and pitching against some of the agencies that I had once worked with, which has been interesting because I'm a, I'm a solo show. So that's it in a nutshell. I don't know if I really even followed any kind of story arc, but that's, that's that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're going to talk a lot about stories and, and I think it does follow a bit of an arc. I, I'd really like to hear more about your blog, Townies, uh, the kind of content that you created and how that, I, if I'm not mistaken, that kind of started as a passion project, but it also led to quite a bit of work and uh, opportunities to work with other clients. Will you tell us a little bit about how that, I, I mean, you kind of gave us the basics, but let's go a little bit deeper on, you know, the content that you were creating and how that led to opportunities to work with clients. Sure. Um, so I started and my idea was working on it. I wanted to start where I would start with three different people. Um, there was, I think at the time it was like an artist, a farmer, and then um, some sort of community builder. And it really was me just going and I, I laugh like thinking about it because I think this is a story of my entire career. I just kind of jump into it and figure it out as I go. And I was um, pitching to these people I didn't really know about interviewing from this blog um, and wanting to spend like a decent amount of time with them. Like we would, we would meet up, we would, I would come back, I'd see, we'd kind of have an initial interview, then I would come, like, for instance, if it was an artist, I would go into their space, I would take photos, we would talk some more and just like build a relationship. It was very casual. It was a, I'd always laugh and say, this is a conversation. I have no idea what I, you know, what it's like to be an interviewer. I am not tra a trained journalist. And um, we just build these relationships. And so when I wrote the content, it would really be from my lens, um, meeting someone in my community, kind of weaving through their stories. Um, I really like to uncover just from a storytelling perspective, you know, 
who they are, kind of how they got where they were going, some of their challenges along the way. I feel like that's, I mean, obviously that's something that you and Kira do a lot on uh, the podcast here. It's just so helpful to learn from that. Um, And so um, reassuring and just um, build so much connection and then also just where they are today and, you know, in a relationship was formed. So I had these long form blog posts and there was no real strategy. It wasn't because I was trying to, it was had nothing to do with rankings and sites. Like it was nothing other than that's how I felt moved to create these stories. And what I was finding is that people were actually reading these stories. And then the engagement when I'd share them on social was significant um, in terms of both you know, engaging with the post itself, itself, but also sharing with friends and the following just kept building. So then the three people that I originally started with, then they were asked to recommend a couple of people that I should talk to next. And so I was just kind of working myself through the community that way. And through it, I wish I was more intentional about it. Um, it worked out just perfectly fine that I wasn't again, just jump in and figure it out as you go. But I started meeting all of these people that I would never have met if I wasn't some strange little girl with a camera and, you know, a pen interviewing people about their lives. And, um, it just created a lot of connections and those connections while the passion projects for townies was to get into writing, to get into being more invested in the community it turned out to be such a great community builder for myself and a great way to build connections so that when I was ready to transition, um, doing things on my own and stepping forward as a business owner, I had this great network that I'd given, I'd given so much time to, you know, I wasn't trying to sell anything at the time. I was just trying to genuinely build community. And then through that time, again, it started as a project passion project, like you said, Rob, but through it, uh, I started getting inquiries from local universities and museums, like a local opera and people that just, they asked if they could sponsor the site. I had no media kit. I had some stats, but nothing of significance that you think of when you think of an influencer. But I, all I really had were these stories that people were really connecting with online and they wanted to hire me to come in and from my lens, tell the story of the work that they were doing. And I, it was, I honestly, I was like completely honored and it really helped to give me more confidence to step out as a writer, which I never felt confident to do before, even though it's something that like most everybody listening to this probably has done or felt their entire life, you know, like there's always been some connection to writing in some way. So what um, does Townies look like today? Is this something that you're still building? Does it, are you still growing it or is it just, is it kind of on pause right now? Yeah, it's just on pause right now. I I got to the point where I think we all face this where you you only have so much bandwidth in your day in your life and I I really loved it was a great platform and it's something I would really love to continue today but I was investing so much in it and the return on that investment versus working with clients one-on-one when that business, that piece of my business kind of came, came to be and started growing. Um, I had to, I had to be honest with myself on what I could actually handle. And, you know, I, I feel like I came from, I come from a mindset of originally at one point it was, I can do it all. But what I found is I was doing all 
lack of a better term, half-assed. And then, or I could lean into the, lean into one thing and really try to do it really well. And so I put townies on pause. Um, it also was a time in my life where, um, I had, was a young mom, um, self-employed and also shortly, shortly after that, my, my husband, his job, he lost his job. I know fault of his own. He had taken over, he's a chef. He'd taken over a restaurant, um, because of financial reasons with the owners, they just suddenly closed it. It was a popular restaurant. So we were in a position where like, okay, the passion project might need to go on a hold. And then shortly after that, my, um, both my mom and my stepdad were diagnosed with, um, critical illnesses. And so it was just like so much at one time that I thought, okay, we're going to put this on hold. But I also feel like there's something there for the future. But I just feel like I think I'm in a place now in my life where I realize that there's seasons for everything. And that's okay. That's okay. Just because you put something down for a little bit doesn't mean you can't pick it up later when it makes more sense. Yeah. And I know we want to talk about, you just shared a lot that hit you personally and professionally. It was that, is this a couple of years, two years ago where your husband lost his job and then um, the illness hit your parents? Is that a couple of years ago? Yeah. So I think it was around 2016, 2017, yeah, two, 2017 roughly. And it was just one thing after the other. And it was... It's one of those things that I often say that, you know, we always plan for, we're always looking at our businesses and maybe not looking at what we're doing next and not maybe being cautious of like, okay, how do I build a business that's sustainable? Because when you're a a business of one, the personal kind of blends in with the professional and you always have to be prepared for if something goes wrong um, not just professionally, like if, you know, you have an issue with a client, you lose a big client, whatnot, but what happens if something goes wrong personally? And, you know, for me, like I, I'm an equal, um, earner in our house. So it's like losing income, it's big hit. And so when the personal stuff happens, it's like, how do you keep moving forward? How do you keep paying your bills? How do you, you know, all the things that we're all, we're all hit with day to day. How do you keep moving and also serving your clients at a high level? Especially sometimes it, it's hard because you you feel. I remember there was a point where I'm like googling jobs. <laughs> it's like my barometer. You're like you're googling jobs because you're like, gosh, it would feel really nice to have a salary job where I had insurance and I had uh, paid time off and maternity leave and all of these things that I don't have right now. But um, that was like a big thing. And I feel like for me, that was a real test to saying, how bad do I want this? Is it worth it? And for me, having my own business, being a consultant, being a freelancer, it is, it's, it would, it's what gets me up in the day and it keeps me moving forward. But when everything was happening, I had to kind of take a step back and look at how I was running my business and how I needed to make adjustments so that I could um, keep it sustainable for the long term. I also have had times where I've really struggled with, you know, anxiety or depression. And it's like, okay, how do I make this business work, make money, and also be kind to myself and be gracious with myself so that I'm not burning myself out because that serves no one. 
you know, from my family to myself to clients. So um, I just, for me, it, I take a real conservative approach to business and I'm very like financial matters are really important to me and how I manage cash flow and um, how I create space in my life so that I'm not getting overwhelmed. And those are just lessons learned, but uh, it's important. It's kind of a core value to how I run my business today. Can you share more specific examples of some of these changes you made in your business to build a sustainable business that can deal with the hard times personally, professionally? So like get into just real specific examples. Again, because I look at when you're a business of one, I look at how the personal and professional blend. So for me, that starts with I'm really money management on both personal and professional sides are really important to me. Um, I laugh because I'm the daughter of a CPA, but I I can barely do math, but I know how to (laughs) do a run a spreadsheet and I I get money. And so um, for us, that looks like before even diving into the business side, it's like when you're, I feel like when you're self-employed, you have to be mindful of, the personal side and like budgeting and um, this might be too in the weeds, but I mean, I, I'm passionate about it, but I feel like um, constantly looking at, like for me, I have our family, we have a, I guess you would call it a zero based budget. So essentially we look at what we kind of project to come in every month. Like we have a goal for ourselves. My husband's now self-employed as well. So we're, we're both, you know, figuring it out as we go. And so we have to be mindful that we don't have any consistent cash flow or, or at least in the past we haven't. And so we look at our budget for the year and, um, what we're anticipating is our revenue or their, our, um, income for the year. And so we give everything, all the money that's supposed to come in a job, um, whether it's, you know, to pay the mortgage or to pay for childcare, because it's a whole other animal. I'm sure a lot of people listening have to deal with and, um, healthcare. And then also just little things like to have reserves in the budget for when your, you know, transmission goes out or, you know, you had some kind of health issue pop up because, you know, I've experienced that directly. And, how do you, you know, just to create, like, think of everything that can kind of happen, not to feel catastrophic, but to feel prepared, to feel like, okay, I know I'm reserving money for everything in some way. Um, so we create that. And then I use, um, I actually use the website Mint. It's, um, it's uh, by Intuit. It's a free tool. Um, it's the makers of TurboTax. And you can link your bank accounts and, you know, all your credit card, everything. And it shows you monthly trend reports. You can categorize everything you spend on. So I can kind of see like, are we staying on track? Now it's not to be like religious or, um, to be like super strict on it, but it's like, if you're not paying attention to your money, you really don't know where it's going. And so we do that from a personal level. And then the business level, um, cause my money's obviously my business. I have a separate account for that. Um, I always am mindful of the cash flow there as well. Um, I always say like it to, in today, today's time, it seems like, you know, all you need, if you want to do freelance, if you want to be a freelancer is you just need an internet connection and a computer, you know, and some talent. But the reality is you also need resources. And it's because when stuff happens, like what happens if 
you lose an account? What happens if, you know, something happens and you still have bills to pay and you still have that personal side to take care of. So on my business side, I'm always making sure that I'm paying myself enough, but I'm also leaving enough in my account for expenses and taxes. So I kind of do that. Yeah. I feel like I'm going on a whole tangent about money because I can, (laughs) like, I just, I really can because at the core of it, it, it is so important. Um, I feel like it's so important. It is what gives us the the freedom and flexibility to do what we do. Um, and it's not just about making more of it. It's about making the most of what is coming in. Um, so for me, like when things hit the fan, it was, okay, let's look at our money. Let's reevaluate where we can stand personally, like what we need. And then let me really look at what I need professionally and adjust accordingly. But because I had been conscious of this before, um, not knowing all this stuff was going to happen. I had some reserves. So, and I also know that I, another thing that we do is we, we live in a smaller city. We're pretty, um, like modest with our living so that not to be restricted. Um, but to know that, we don't have all these crazy, like outstanding debts and things that we need to pay. And if something happens, we're going to be okay. And so for me, that's something that, um, equals freedom for me, um, and really moves me. So that was helpful. Another thing is, is I, uh, when I was getting to the point where I was going with my parents and I was at the hospital a lot, um, and I, it just felt like, I like to call them fire drills because it felt like, every day you had a plan of what you were going to do. And then you get a call and someone has had, I mean, truly like someone has had a stroke or someone is, um, it was just, it was wild. Like it was like, someone's had a stroke. Someone needs a blood transfusion. So it was just really heavy stuff. And I just got to the point where, um, and they really, they, my, my parents, the only really, I was their person. And, And I was also the mom of a two-year-old son and a wife and running a business. And so what I decided to do is for, again, every, everything has a season and I feel like you can put things down and pick them back up. So my thought was, I'm going to put down being client facing for a little while. And I reached out to some friends that had some overflow business so that I could um, work really behind the scenes. And I think that's important. Like cash flow is important to me. Um, community is important. That prepares you for when, um, you know, life happens to have a community and a network that you can rely on and know you and um, can support you through some of those changes when you need to pull back or maybe need to ramp up. Um, so I was able to do that and work kind of behind the scenes. And it gave me that relief of having just a little more white space so that when pop-up things happen, I had more flexibility. I knew the deadlines. I knew what I was accountable for, but um, there was someone else managing the relationship. So that was really helpful. And then I think the final thing is just, it goes to the importance of consistency uh, where for me, that meant every relationship that I've had along the way, you know, consistently showing up for that, you know, thinking of clients and whatnot or collaborators and consistently showing up and doing good work so that when, um, and putting your best foot forward so that when things do happen and and you're in a season where, you know, it's, it's, 
it's tough and you might have to push back on a deadline or, or whatever, something's happened where you're not able to show up as, you know, the best self that you want to, that because you've been consistent time and time again on project over project, people know that this is there. They, they just have a little bit more grace with you. I feel like, um, whereas if you just in the normal day to day, we're always missing deadlines and not, um, returning calls or just all these things that you hear of so often with so many freelancers doing, um, I feel like if, if that, if that had been my story up until that point, I probably wouldn't have a business and the relationships that I have today. Yeah. I, I think, you know, you've listed out so many of the things that help us get through stuff, you know, having the financial picture, right. Having a community around you. And there's also this mindset piece, right. Where, you, you know, when all this stuff starts to happen, you just don't even want to get out of bed or, you know, like facing a client project feels like more than just work. Like it feels onerous in a way. And, you know, I don't, I don't know that, um, because it can get really heavy. Like if you had any strategies to deal with just the mindset and, and, and to keep going as well, because I, like you're saying, there's just so many things that you almost need to line up in order to get through all of this bad stuff that can happen. Yeah. You know, one of the mindset pieces I have for myself is, I don't know if it's a mindset or just something that I always reflect on is it's kind of like, where do I want to be when I'm 80? What do I want my legacy to be? What kind of impact do I want to have? And for me, it's really simple. It's about at the end of the day, just being so close to people passing away and whatnot. It, it's really about, there's this quote, I think it's an Emerson quote where it's, it's um, to know one life is breathe it a little, little easier because you have lived. I mean, to me, like success is really that simple, you know, like it's, I feel like, especially in this space, we talk a lot about hitting six figures or, you know, multi six figures or having this or blah, blah, blah. But it, life's, it's not that complicated. Like for my opinion, it's, it's really about the impact we have on others. And so when things would feel so heavy and feel like, do I really want to do this? I would reflect on, okay, like, what do I want my life to look like? What do I want to have accomplished? And for me having space and doing this work and being a freelancer it allowed me to have more space in my life. It gave me more ownership of my time and what I do when. And, and it wasn't so I could just like, you know, watch the latest season of the crown or something. It was so that I can show up for the people that I love and, and show up as a better version of myself because, you know, for me, like you, you both know this from the think tank, like I'm one that I'm, I'm around the six figure mark. And I could push farther and go farther, but I want to create space in my life for the relationships in my life. And so I'm okay with where I am. And um, not to say that I don't have ambition and things like that, but I just know there's that season in my life. And also I feel like knowing, I mean, one of the greatest gifts is knowing that even, even though it was hard, even though financially it was stretched and all those things like to be able to say that I was able to show up for my parents time and time again. And I have no, it was hard. It was, it was really, it was no, like it was awful at times. It was awful. And there were times where I would kind of feel, you know, the self pity of like, gosh, I can't, can't get anything moving because there's constantly something going on. And you know, why, why is this happening to our family? But I kept thinking like, okay, but I have the space to do it. How lucky am I? I'm fortunate because that's not everybody's story. 
Awesome. So I, I want to switch the discussion just a little bit because you also mentioned working with an agency as a freelancer. And this is something obviously is a very common uh, way that a lot of copywriters work. Will you tell us about that experience and how you landed that project and the kind of work that you've done with the agency in order to you know, supplement other kinds of projects that you do? Yeah, sure. So it started the first agency that reached out. Um, it was through... I guess just the following I had locally with um, the blog and they had reached out. I still remember this. This is just, I feel like this is like the story of everything with my business is like, I just, somebody calls, Hey, you want to meet to talk about doing this? And I'm thinking in my head, I do not know really what I'm doing, but absolutely I'm going to show up. And so I remember showing up and it's like a room full of, it's like part of the creative team and the part of the accounts team there. Um, I don't know why there, honestly, I don't know why there were so many people in the room. Um, but I show up, I have zero portfolio, like no portfolio because I'd worked in house for years over years. I had experience. It's just, I don't know. I just, apparently I'm just, I was like, they called me, I'm going to show up. So I showed up. I didn't have a portfolio, which was fine. I was able to talk to them about my experience and they put me on a test project, a paid test project. Um, working with uh, it's a Fortune 500 company, and I was working with that company's consumer research team. So basically, they were um, it was a product company, and they were needing people to come, or they're needing a copywriter to come in and help them kind of craft some of the uh, product ideas, the general product ideas they had, and innovations into some consumer friendly copy to test out if that product was going to be approved for um, further testing and creation. And so I started and it just kind of took off from there. And I felt like I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew I understood, I understand the foundations of copywriting. I understand people and I understood relationships. And I just kind of leaned into what I had done years prior in different roles and just kept kept moving along. And then it took on to bigger and bigger things. And then I had another agency reach out and they wanted help with um, messaging for a branding project. And again, I just, in my head, I thought I have never done this on the agency side. I guess I should say that it's like, I've never done this on an agency side. I've always been in the house and I thought, all right, well, I, yeah, let's do it. And that led to another branding project and another project. And then I was finding that I was working with agencies and they would give me a brief on what to write from a copywriter standpoint. And I would start to question the brief, like if the direction made sense from a strategic standpoint. And one agency basically said, all right, well, let's put you on some strategy and see what you got. And so I started working on with the strategy team a little bit more. So I worked with various agencies in various capacities. Um, you know, and I always, for me, I always try to show up, even though I'm a freelancer, like I was part of the team. Um, I took their client relationships really seriously. I, you know, I wanted them to win. I, you know, they were my clients, ultimately the agency that they weren't just, to me, it wasn't just a paycheck. It's like, they were my clients. How can I make them help them show up their best? And so, yeah, I just had those relationships. And that was also helpful when things got crazy because I had these agency relationships that I could jump on board smaller projects maybe with a little bit more that had a little bit more space in them. Um, like in terms of timelines, uh, yeah, because I just, again, trying to be consistent and show up and 
um, sometimes it's a simple, I feel like sometimes as a freelancer, I think the talent matters. I do, but I also think doing what you said you're going to do goes really far, farther than I ever would imagine. Um, but the number of stories I've heard of just people ghosting or falling off projects or, you know, charging astronomical rates and not delivering the value, like even close to the value. It's like, I've heard so many stories. So sometimes I felt like with agencies, I was just stepping in and just trying to be a dream freelancer to work with that. It just kept bringing on more work. What else do you think could help copywriters who are in maybe the early years be more successful in their business and their career based off what you've done? I mean, you've mentioned like the themes that I'm hearing are just saying yes and figuring it out as you go. And then also um, relationships and then doing what you say you're going to do, which are all important. But what else would you recommend to a newer copywriter who's like, okay, I want to have the type of success that Andrea's had. This is what I'm going to do. I don't know if, you know, my approach, I feel like I, I tend to, I'm someone who plays the long game, I realize. Um, and that's not everybody's cup of tea. You know, some people want to, the quicker wins, because um, honestly, those are the sexier stories. I mean, I, I know it. Um, but for me, playing the long game, uh, I, I guess one of my things is don't be afraid to play the long game. Um, knowing that I, I see some starting out where they expect to be hitting certain income goals right out the gate. And when they don't, um, it's discouraging and they let go of the idea of being able to do this at all. And for me, I always say, you know, it's okay to start off like with slow momentum. And if that means keeping your day job, um, although I did not, but keeping your day job and do picking up some freelance work to kind of get things going again, going back to that financial piece, like you don't want to put so much pressure on yourself that if you don't hit this goal to like, let's say replace your income in X amount of months, then you're not successful. Like that's, that's just, I don't know. That's just ridiculous to me. I feel like be realistic with what you can earn based on you know, if, if you're starting with zero clients and zero income and then expect to hit, you know, six figures or, you know, or 5k months, you know, out the gate, like, and do it in a way that's not going to completely burn you out. I also want to add that because there's a lot of ways you can make money and there's a lot of ways you can burn out really quickly. So, you know, maybe it's taking, taking a slow approach, you know, setting goals for yourself, income goals that maybe you're doubling your income year over year and you kind of have that steady growth. Um, you know, I think that's important. I think it's important to also not, you know, for me, like I started, I was in like various roles, marketing and communication. I was in in-house roles for, you know, about a decade, a little, more than a decade, a little over a decade. Um, and I just kept following my intuition on what felt like the next thing I needed to learn or I wanted to learn and kind of following my nose there. Um, I think that's important. I think it's, I, I'm an advocate for working either in-house or agency is going to expose you to more uh, varied jobs, which I think is great. And you're with a lot of creatives that are, you know, are in similar mindset and there's a lot of energy. And I think that's exciting when you're first, you know, starting um, in-house, this is deviating. I'm sorry from the freelancing, but I feel like I want to say this, but, and then in-house is different because while 
it's maybe not as glamorous. I feel like you get to see the bigger picture of how, you know, your copy can drive sales and how that affects um, the bottom line and how that affects, like you just get to see a better, broader business perspective, which I think when you're going to run your own business, that's, that's the key. You can't just be creative. You can't just be clever. You also have to understand how to, you know, make a business run. And so I don't know, I guess what I'm saying is I feel like it's important to start out with some ground, like a foundation. And oftentimes that foundation is trying a bunch of different things. If it's in-house, if it's an agency, or if it's on your own, maybe partnering up with someone that's more experienced than you to be like a junior copywriter or something like that, so that you can ask questions and learn things and um, see different approaches. Um, I just think it's important to be a very, just a sponge at first and, and also figure out what you like, what you don't like. That's something. <laughs> um, I'm curious, Andrea, about your business today, you know, as you've you know, built, you've, you've gone through, you know, the content stuff that you did, you've worked with agencies, what kind of projects are you taking on today? What do they look like? Um, you know, and, and maybe even let's get into the weeds on how you price them and your process for uh, solving the client problems. You know, I'd say that like the past two, three years, it was challenging because I was doing, you know, well, it, it all made sense. That was my path that, you know, when I first started out on my own, I was doing agency work. I had the blog. I also was doing some editorial work with some magazines. It was just like, I was doing anything and everything, which is so often the story I know. Um, and then I started leaning more into the, the agency work that was a bit more focused. And a lot of it was around brand messaging. And so I was doing that work. And then this year has been, you know, and then all the things were happening, you know, in, in my personal life. And so, but this year, you know, it, there's just been more space. And uh, I say this as I'm like eight months pregnant. So there's that too, but it hasn't been, this has been a calmer year and I've been able to really lean into building my own, my business. Um, and I guess being, you know, owning client relationships and, and not working you know, by way of an agency or whatnot. And so, uh, this year, what's been, there's a couple of things, the way I earn money is one is I, I have brand, brand strategy packages where what I found is working with clients oftentimes, and also working in house for years is that, cause I worked with both small to mid-sized businesses and also startups is that, um, the importance of, um, having a clear brand strategy, um, really having a strategy at all, having a clear brand strategy and also um, being clear on your story and your message and how that touches and, and drives basically everything that you're doing as a business. And so I've really, really leaned into and really loved working with companies on that. I've, um, it's not as, it's different, I feel like, than maybe conversion copywriters, which I know a lot of um they're a lot probably listening where it's, it's tied to an immediate, like, um, like return. Um, you know, it's tied, it's more quantitative. Um, this is more brand building, but I feel like if you don't start with that foundational story and messaging, you need clear there, then you're just kind of, you're throwing money everywhere and you're not really clear on who you are. And you, you get to a point where you're no longer standing out and you're losing business. So I've been working with clients on that on packages where we just work through, their core messaging, um, their values, 
Um, a lot of times these are companies that are either it's a company that has been in business for a while and they, but the market that they're in is becoming more saturated and they're needing to pivot a little bit to further differentiate themselves. Like they've got a strong product or a strong service. It's just that there's more competition and they can't just rely on being the only or, you know, one of the best. They've got to really start standing out. And so I work with those companies. I also work with some uh, startups that uh, are in the funding phases. Maybe they've gotten some initial uh, capital or funding. They're looking to, maybe it's a second round. um, And they're finding that in order to take it to the next level, they really need to get clear on their brand and their message, really get more polished. Um, And so I work with startups. Uh, I've enjoyed that too. Um, That's been fun as well because we're working a lot of times it's, there's a pitch. So there is kind of an immediate return because they may be pitching for um, maybe it's grants or it's uh, startup accelerators or things like that, where there's immediate tie to some funding. Um, so those are two different um, lanes I've been playing with, which is essentially the same approach. And then I've been doing some intensive days and those are clients. They it could be past clients or, um, newer clients. I'm kind of playing with that right now because depending on the industry, sometimes it's not a great fit for a new client because you've got a lot to come up to speed with, um, quickly, but, um, just a day, I know these are other people have been testing this quite a bit, but that's been helpful for me as I prepare for maternity leave is to take more intensive days because I don't have this long timeline that I'm working against. I can hammer it out in a day or a couple days, and feel good and not feel that strain of like, gosh, you know, <laughs> what if I go into labor tomorrow? So um, there's that. And then I also have a, I've had for about a year and a, well, gosh, yeah, a year and a half, um, a retainer client. Um, I know people kind of are on the fence back and forth. You know, there's different sides of retainer versus no retainer for me. Um, it's been a good fit because it's provided I've been able, we started uh, last June on one of those brand messaging packages that I mentioned before, and it just snowballed into me coming in as a consultant on a monthly retainer, and I'm overseeing the execution of the rebrand, touching all areas of their business. And it's just been, I mean, it's, it's like an invaluable lesson for me, like a learning lesson, because while I don't intend to be that involved in the future, when you know how everything that you started from a strategic standpoint touches the business and the impact that it has, because branding is so different that it, it's kind of, again, like it's a long game. It takes a little while to start seeing the return and it, it's not necessarily, you can't directly correlate things um, as easily as you can maybe with conversions, but um, to see how that all plays out, how it affects the culture of the company, how it, it affects, you know, PR, everything. Um, so that's been a great lesson for me. Um, and it's been consistent income month over month. I want to go back to what you had mentioned earlier about, you know, you're a member of our think tank and we talk to you and other members about their goals often. And you were mentioning that it's not really about making more money for you. And I know this has come up with a couple other copywriters as well, where they're like, it's, yeah, I want to make money, but it's, that's not the goal. Uh, it's more about creating time and space for for family and friends, for interests to have a life. And 
So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that because you've mentioned doing things on your own terms. You've mentioned a calmer year and you've mentioned, you know, creating boundaries, owning client relationships. So like you're doing a lot of these things really well, at least over the past year. And I know you've also increased your income while doing that, while creating space. So can you just like break this down, maybe with just a couple tips on how copywriters can create the space and manage clients and kind of have some breathing room in our lives, um, knowing that your business can still grow while you're doing that? Well, you know, when I said when you first start out or when I first started out, I was taking all kinds of things, right? And I was taking smaller projects and, and just, I was just so reactive to everything that came my way. And, and I think that's okay. And I think that's, that's just, sometimes that's how you learn. Sometimes that's just the part of, part of it, you know, and I, you know, whether that's the right or wrong way that that's just, I don't think there's a, I don't think that's a bad thing. However, what happens if you stay that course and you don't quickly learn from, okay, I've done this, this was the outcome. I've, it wasn't as profitable as I hoped. If you're not constantly evaluating at, after every project, like checking in with yourself and checking in with, uh, also your profit. That's a, that's another thing, which I'll talk about for just a second, but I think you're never going to find a groove where you're creating more space. You're just like reacting to everything that comes your way. You're at the mercy of people, you know, whether it's giving you the next job and you're not in control. And I feel like a part of that is like to always feel like, I like to feel like I have some control in a life that you have really no control on at the end of the day. One thing that I do and I've done consistently is I track my time religiously for some, some people do this. Some people it's really hard to do like just to remember, but I use uh, toggle, which is a free tool. Um, and it's not for anybody's use, but my own, because what I want to see is, and I started this early on is like, how long is this really taking me to do this work? And what I was finding is, is like, the blog was a great example. I was writing, I was really enjoying it. I was doing these long form blog posts, but it was taking so long and it was just, there wasn't a great return on it. And, and so I started to evaluate, okay, what do I need to cut out of my work to create more space? And that's what I would do. And I just kept just really going through with, you know, like a fine tooth comb of like, okay, I did this. This was the outcome. This is something I learned from it because I think there's always great experiences and everything. This is something I learned from it. This is something I didn't like. And then reevaluate um, and then slowly start honing in on, okay, what's really making me money and what is just kind of noise. And so that's what I kept doing or I keep doing is, okay, where can I continue to make more money that's profitable? Meaning that um, even if it's not quoted by the, by the hour, which, you know, I know we don't want to do, but there's always like an hourly rate. If you really, if you track your time, you're going to know what you're making an hour. So I always track to see, okay, what, which one am I making the most money on per hour? What kind of task? And I start to lean into those that creates more white space for me because I start to learn to say no to projects and say it with more ease because while it sounds great, it's money in the door. I know from a financial standpoint, it's a time suck. And It'll be a time suck and it sounds good, but you want to think about like, what are the multiple layers within that project that you're going to have to account for and make room for. So that's one thing. Um, also, I feel like I learned, and I think this was from 
going through some heavy things that you have to create, you just have to leave some white space for yourself as a creative. Like you have to do it. If you're, you're jamming way too many projects back to back, you're going to burn out. Um, it's not good for you. I mean, I'm, I'm never working. I never work late into the night. I, I just like, I laugh with my husband because he's, he's like a totally different animal from me. And he's also in the, a chef in the food world. And so there's a lot of late nights. There's a lot of like crazy days and like, how do you do it? Like, I'm just, I'm like no laptops on, you know, after nine. And even before that, like I, I need to create, I make room for rest. Um, I need to have sleep. Um, even though there's days where I think, oh, well, if I work a little bit later, then I can get X, Y, Z done. I know that for me personally, I've learned just from paying attention, um, just paying attention to myself and how I feel and what's working, what's not that if I don't get enough rest, I'm going to be just crap in the morning or I'm not, I'm not going to be my best at my best for the next you know day of work, or I'm going to take an, I'm going to rest. And then the next day, like that thing I was trying to like that, that line I was trying to hash out or something, it's, it's going to be so easy tomorrow to figure it out. I just need to rest. And so I just make that a priority. And again, it goes back to when I'm taking on projects, it's like knowing what matters to you and knowing your priorities in life that transcends everything. Like if you don't know what you want your life to look like and you don't know what matters to you, then I feel like you're always just reacting and kind of letting life lead you instead of trying to kind of create, you know, a life on your own terms. As we've been talking, Andrea, it, it seems to me like you've shared like lots of bits of wisdom of things that you've learned over the course of your career. And I'm wondering if there's one thing overall that you've done in your business that's maybe the biggest takeaway or something that you've done that's made the biggest difference in, you know, succeeding as you have. There's, uh, it's so hard to pick one thing, right? Like it's, it's so hard to pick the several bullet. I always think of multiple things that I think have, like, I almost think of our, our, our lives and our journeys as like, you know, it is like a story and there's like layer and layer and this affected this and this happened with this. But I think it goes back to the core of just prioritizing for me, it's prioritizing what the, like the big picture for me, what I want that to look like. And, and then making decisions, be it investments or, um, you know, in, in investments for education or, whatnot or investments in time, like making sure that always ladders up to the priorities I have set for myself, um, and my family, uh, and being staying clear on that because it's so easy right now. I just feel like it's so easy. Um, and I don't know why this is online. I just don't feel like I experience this as much, you know, working in, um, like some of my salary positions where, we're constantly chasing the tail of someone else and we're constantly um, looking at, we're like throwing out numbers and throwing out this and throwing out um, all these, you know, quote unquote wins. And it's just so easy to get discouraged, but that's also because I feel like it's easy to get discouraged. We're not clear on what matters most to us. And, and it doesn't have to be that this big giant, you know, goals. I mean, I, I also like, I know for me, I'm, I, I have maybe, I, I know I'm different in the sense of there's a lot of people, like there's friends I have that have 
incredible ambition to do like really huge things or build really huge businesses. And I like love, love champ, like championing for them and following along. But like, for me, that's just not my path. And, um, and so I try to not pay attention to certain things that they're doing because they're doing that because that makes sense with their path in life. And if there's anything, it's, it's like knowing your lane and consistently like driving back into it. Cause we're all going to fall out. Like I'm all, there's many things that I've done that I've said, Oh, I should be doing X. So I'm going to do this. And then what happens is, is I, when I go back to evaluate the experience, I go, Oh, that really wasn't in line with the priorities I have. And so it wasn't that it was a bad choice or it wasn't that it was a project. I shouldn't like, it was just kind of like, all right, yeah, that was outside of the lane of like what, what I'm trying to focus on. And it's evident because I, the reaction, the way my body feels, the way um, it impacts other areas of my life, the way it um, either moves me forward or does not move me forward financially at all. It just all kind of ladders up to, was it in line with my priorities? All right. I want to make sure I can squeeze this question in. We're almost out of time, I know, but I want to ask about maternity leave and preparations for that, which is, um, you know, it's, it's a real plan that you need to create and you are very much pregnant right now and you're in the <laughs> midst of this. And I feel like you've done it well. I have had two babies and I did not plan well for either one of them. Um, so this is not an area where I can teach from. So please just share like some, maybe some things that you've done to prepare yourself for um, maternity leave and stepping away from your business and any advice you have for um, other parents who are listening and uh, about to have a baby. Such a great question. And it's such a like, ugh, everybody's situation is different, right? It's, it's everybody's it's, there's so many nuances, but like for me, I feel like as I'm going to client meetings now feeling like Darth Vader breathing, <laughs> like just like, so like, I just feel like a drugged lion all the time and it's awful. And, but I'm in the home stretch and I feel like, again, I keep harping on this, but one of the things is I knew once we found out, um, earlier this year, like, all right, time to start, you know, saving <laughs> because there's no maternity leave on the other side. And, you know, my husband and I both being self-employed, it's like, okay, like, let's think ahead. What makes the most sense so that, because I want to be able to take some time and enjoy that time again, priority for me. And so making sure like I'm saving and I've got a couple months worth of income saved up. So I'm not losing income. Um, and also that entails tightening up some things too, right? Because I also just said on another note, like I'm not necessarily trying to always achieve like the next money milestone financially, but I'm trying to, okay, how can I make my money work for me and do the most with the money that I do have? So tightening up some things. Um, also, uh, for me, again, transitioning where I know that I might need, like the retainer has been great for me this year. It's also, you know, there's the pros and cons. Like you start to feel a little stagnant when you're in a retainer or whatnot. But for me, I was like, okay, that way I can factor in looking at the big picture. I know what I'm making for the balance of the year. And then I can take on some smaller jobs with tight, like shorter timelines so that I'm not 
racing to the finish line, like I'm due at the beginning of uh, the year. And so I feel like even when I worked um, salaried in house, I was like, <laughs> like, I was like on my phone going into labor, like finishing up some stuff. Like, I don't want to do that. And so um, trying to set like, okay, here's my due date. I'm going to push up two weeks. I want to be done with work by X. It's okay if a little bit bleeds over, but this is my, my deadline and knowing I'm only going to take on X amount of hours this month because I'm in my third trimester and things are moving a little slower. And I, I just want to be cognizant of that. Like I, I don't want to overexhaust myself. And so kind of planning out through the year, like, okay, I know second trimester typically for, for all you pregnant mamas out there, you know how it goes with second trimester, you get this like weird boost of energy. So like, let's lean into a little bit more work there, pick up some, um, pick up some income there and then be okay with slowly trailing off near the end of the year. But throughout the year, know that I need to be really diligent about saving so that I can have that time with maternity. And then the biggest thing, and that's what we've talked about in the think tank, which has been helpful getting so many different perspectives as well. Um, just cause it, you know, there are a lot of parents in there as well, like where, okay, how do we take this time off and then not lose momentum? That's always a big fear. It's like, how do you not lose momentum? And for me, it's, it's kind of, I feel like I'm going to go into maternity leave, um, this is my second. So I know I'm going to be completely, and I'm older now. So I know I'm going to be completely sleep deprived and like, God, talk about drug lion, but I want to use some of that time downtime to kind of, uh, work a little bit on my own business building. Some of the assets that I haven't been as strong with this past year to kind of build those assets. And then also, um, I've signed some work on for after maternity leave, not too much, but enough that I know, like, I'm not starting the year out, uh, at zero. Um, so just thinking, I'm almost thinking preparing for the second quarter of next year versus the first, um, for my sanity. Yeah. I remember when I thought with my first baby that on maternity leave, I would take up all these new hobbies. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to start painting again and get out the oils. And like, I'm going to have this vacation where I, and that did not happen. So again, I just am not clearly planning these things well. So thank you for those. Thank you for those tips. That's everybody's thing, right? Like everybody's like, Oh, I'm going to have a couple months. And you're like, Oh my God, I am just trying to survive. Like I'm just surviving right now. So, um, I remember looking at myself in the mirror after like my son and, and I was, I, I like hadn't changed. I hadn't showered. I'm like, this is my life now. <laughs> this, is, this is what I've become, but it does get, I can't relate. <laughs> I gotta say, I can't, I can't relate to, to any of that. Uh, you, you two are better than far better than I am. Uh, I, I know that we have, we still have like 10 questions that we want to ask Andrea, but we are completely out of time. So at some point we'll have you come back and, you know, share things about your story structure and, and the ways that, you know, you work uh, through your copywriting process. But um, before we do that, maybe you could share where people can reach out and connect with you if they want to know more about you. So I always laugh, Kara and Rob, you know this because... <laughs> I am very loose online. Um, 
And the reason being is I, I do have to say, I've heard people talk about when their website doesn't fit them anymore and they hate having it up and they, you know, don't know what to do. So all I did is I, so you can find me online at andrealittell.com. Um, and that's L-I-T-T-E-L-L, fancy little. Um, but I ended up taking my website, wasn't um, reflective of what I was doing. And so I just took took that sucker down, put up a landing page. And because a lot of my business is referrals, I said, I'm going to sit on this for a while. So you'll see on there uh, uh, a note that says website coming soon. It really should say, hold your breath. because It's been like that for like a year now, but eventually um, there will be a website. But yeah, I, that's the best way to reach me. And my email, Andrea at andrealatel.com. Um, I'm always happy to chat on anything, um, copywriting or just, you know, life, freelancing. And I, I love that we're asking people to email you as you're about to have your baby and go into maternity leave. We're like, yeah, hit her up. Yeah, exactly. She's available. She'll get back to her in five, six months. <laughs> yeah, again, hold your breath and I'll get back to you. <laughs> no. All right. Well, thank you so much, Andrea, for you know having this conversation with us um, before, you know, as you go into maternity leave and um, making the time for this conversation. It's been really, really helpful. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to the Copywriter Club podcast with Kira Hug and Rob Marsh. Music for the show is a clip from Gravity by Whitest Boy Alive, available in iTunes. If you like what you've heard, you can help us spread the word by subscribing in iTunes and by leaving a review. For show notes, a full transcript, and links to our free Facebook community, visit thecopywriterclub.com. We'll see you next episode. Thank you.